Happy Thanksgiving Sunday, family. It's so good to be with you. For everyone joining us here and everyone online, welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Josh. I'm one of the ministers here. And today we get to celebrate in a unique way what Christians celebrate every day, and that is the goodness of our God. And so as we roll into Thanksgiving, we're going to talk about it this morning with two, I think, two of the most important words we will ever hear for understanding and embracing the goodness of God, even in troubled times. Next Sunday, we're going to begin our Advent series. For four weeks, rolling into Christmas, Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, which simply means coming. And it's the season in which we remember Christ came but that he will also come again. Amen? He's going to come back, and it's not going to be as a baby. It's going to be as the ruling king of the universe, and we get to celebrate that starting next Sunday and for the next four weeks following. So hope you will plan to be with us during the Christmas season. I think it'll be a time of encouragement. But today, I want us to look at, as we're coming into Thanksgiving Thursday, I want us to look at two words, and these two words are simply these, but... God. Everyone say with me these two words. Ready? But, but God. Two of the most important words on declaring what is true, even in the midst of difficult times. Now, before I get into it, before we unpack this, and by the way, today we're going to do just a little hopscotch through American history and church history and biblical history. We're going to just take a little dive through the ages, but before we do that I need to address a very serious matter that is, uh, frankly, dividing the church, not just out there, but the church in here. And we're just going to lay it to rest before we get into the message today. I feel like it's far too important for us to deal with this. And so here's the thing that I just want us to deal with. There's a question that keeps coming up every year, every year, every year, and we're just going to settle it. And in fact, I'm going to let you kind of settle it with one another. Here's the question. What is the best Thanksgiving side dish? Bar none. What is it? This is the thing that's dividing families, churches, communities, and we got to deal with it today. So take 15, 20 seconds, turn to your neighbor. I want you to share what you think the best Thanksgiving side dish is. Ready? Go. Three, two... All right, let's hear it. Someone shout out. What is, in your opinion, the best Thanksgiving side dish? Mashed potatoes and all the Christians rejoiced, right? Question, though. Here's the question. Is that with Ronnie, is that with or without the, um, uh, without the gravy on top? With anyone else with or without gravy? Let's see some hands. With, okay, yeah, all the people who want to go to heaven early because you'll have a coronary say yes, absolutely. All right, so some people say mashed potatoes. Uh, someone else, what is the best thing? Sweet potato. Mm, okay, no, 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 I got to ask you, I got to ask you. There's a debate here. What's the better topping? Is it walnuts and nuts or is it ma- uh, marshmallows? What do you think? Both. Why well, have one when you can have both? Man, I love this kind of a church, okay? We're a both-and church. All right, someone else. What's something else? Okra. Oh, wait. Uh, did you say okra? Anyone else say fried okra? Oh, we are in the South. I love this. All right, now let me ask this final question. Uh, turkey or ham? 
All those who say turkey, gobble, gobble. Let's see some hands. All those who say ham. Man, you're both wrong. It's both. I mean, it's, it's both. You just got to have a little bit of each. Now, here's the reality. Although there are differences of opinion about what makes for a great Thanksgiving, I think we can all agree that some years it's easier to give thanks than others, isn't it? I don't know about you. This year's been a hard year. By the way, this is the moment where the preacher is supposed to just give platitudes and encouragement, but I'm just going to be real frank with you this morning. This has been a hard year. We've felt it in the Diggs house. We felt it on numerous levels. Like many of you, we have experienced it when it came to relationships. Like so many of you, we have experienced it when it came to health and not being able to see family or not being able to see friends. We've experienced some of the crunch of this year as well, the economy and other things. You all have experienced so much of this as well. And I'm just going to confess with you, there are some years I find giving thanks to be incredibly easy. Then there are other years, there's no debate. It's just hard. So what do we do in years like this where maybe you find yourself going, it's just hard? That's where these two words, but God, come into play. You see, the church, and really as a nation, we have always given thanks, especially during hard times. Do you understand that? Let's just take a few steps back into human history. 1942 was the first year that Thanksgiving was a federal holiday. First year that we celebrated it as a federal holiday. Now, why does 1942 matter? That was a very hard year for America. Over the previous 12 months, America had experienced incredible challenges. Less than 12 months earlier, the Imperial Navy of Japan bombed Pearl Harbor, killing 2,400 of our sons, throwing us into the Second World War, fighting on multiple battlefields in multiple arenas, parents without their children for Thanksgiving, homes divided, children, husbands, people lost and died. It was a tough year. And this, on top of the fact that we were just coming out of a multi-year great depression where millions had lost their jobs, They were unsure of the future, and yet it was in this moment that we as a nation said, this is the best time to give thanks, but for God, we would not have made it this far. And this wasn't the first time that America had established a rhythm of praise and thankfulness in the midst of struggles. Do you realize where this idea of gathering and celebrating Thanksgiving came from? It started when we established it as the fourth Thursday of November. You know where that began? In 1863, our 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, said, this is going to be the day we celebrate, we give thanks. In fact, this is what he wrote in 1863. He says, the year that is drawing toward its close has been filled, notice this, with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. Boy, of course that sounds like a year to give thanks, doesn't it? He goes on. This reality cannot fail to penetrate and soften even the heart which is habitually insensible to the ever-watchful providence of Almighty God. He goes on to say this. No human counsel hath devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things, good fields, food, all that we have. They are the gracious gifts Of the highest God who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins. Wait, what's this? What's this? We'll come back to it. 
He hath nevertheless remembered mercy. You say, okay, so what is this that he's talking about? It's a great year. We should give thanks. But what is this that he's talking about dealing with us in our sin? What was going on in 1863, history buffs? The Civil War. In the middle of the greatest division in American history to date, where the North and the South were fighting, family against family, brother against brother, it is in this moment that we pause and we say, but God, we would be gone. But for God, we are here still standing. The future is unknown, but we know the one who is in charge of the future. Understand these two words, but God have been the anchor for us as a nation. Let me take you back just a little bit further. It began actually, if we just looked at one little moment in our history, we see God's hand at work. And the reason for all the thanks for which we are able now to give. Let me just give you one. In 1620, we have the maiden voyage of the Mayflower. And in fact, this voyage and what happened, I think, gives us great confidence for the kind of God that you and I serve. Let me just give you a few facts about this. After an arduous journey marked by treachery, delays, and storms that blew the ship hundreds of miles Off course, the Mayflower landed at Plymouth in December of 1620. We were trying to go to a place in what is now New York, but because of all the circumstances that just so happened, we were blown off course. Now, in the moment, you'd think, oh, God, why, why, why? But notice what happens. The passengers passed the first winter on the ship, fearing hostile weather and even more hostile natives. But when the pilgrims disembarked in early spring, they met... Samoset, a Native American who greeted them with these two words, welcome Englishmen. Now, quick question, how shocked would you be as someone from around the world if you were greeted by a native speaking your own language? How did that happen? Well, it just so happens that Samoset possessed a startling but bare knowledge of English acquired after meeting some British fishermen in Maine. Now, he could not communicate as well as needed, but fortunately, Samoset introduced the pilgrims to another Native American named Squanto. How many of you remember Squanto from your history class? Squanto had likely been abducted, brought to Spain as a slave, freed by Catholic monks, likely baptized by those very same monks, ferried to London, and somehow returned to Newfoundland. When he arrived back in North America, Squanto made his way down the coast, discovered that his tribe had been wiped out by disease. Now, can you imagine being Squanto after you've been taken as a slave and you finally make it home only to find that all of your family and friends are gone? Why? 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 And not only that, he ends up as a captive of the Poconoket Massasoit Indian. But he does so at precisely the same spot where the Mayflower just so happened to land. The pilgrims had found the one Indian, get this now, they had found the one Indian in the Western Hemisphere with the command of their language their native land because he had been a slave, and their religion. Isn't it interesting that God just so happened to throw them off course to land at the right place at the right time to meet the right person who could help navigate the circumstances around them? But it goes beyond that. 
Squanto then brokered an alliance between the Plymouth colonists and Massasoit, who's, who used the English to oppose this one particular Indian tribe, and they established the Wampanoag Nation. The English and the natives celebrated this new partnership in October of, nine, or of 1621 with a three-day festival of thanksgiving. Here's what I'm trying to say to you, family. In the moment, as they were being blown off course, miles from where they were planning to go, as they were enduring a harsh winter, God was not done yet. God allowed and directed where they would land. He allowed and directed what would happen to this one man named Squanto so that at just the right time, they converge at the right spot so that the birth of this nation could begin. Now, I understand with everything we hear about our nation, it is very in vogue to demean the American nation. And let me be clear, America is not a perfect nation. Do you want to know why America is not a perfect nation? Because we all live here, and we're not perfect, are we? But by God's grace, it's a good nation. And God's hand has been working, even in very dire circumstances, to bring about where we are today because of these two words, but God, but God. Let's just dissect those two words for a moment here. The word but is a very interesting word, isn't it? How many of you, now listen, hang on, I hear some snickering, okay? When we say this word, this word is a word of contrast. It is a word that says what has come before is no longer valid. It negates the past and presents a new future. Let me give you a couple examples. Some of you may have had the unfortunate experience that I had as a young man or that young lady that you're like, oh, she loves me. We're going to get married It's going to be amazing. And then she comes to you and she says these words. Oh, it has just been, it's been so great dating you these last few months. But what's about to happen, gentlemen? But I found someone else. What does that mean? That one little word has now negated everything in the past. It doesn't matter what good things you heard. It has undone what you've heard. Hear me now. This one word on its own can lead to great pain. We've all seen this. We've all heard this. Some of you know the pain of your boss saying, you've done a great job these past few years. We love all that you've invested in the company, but we're going to have to downsize. We're outsourcing your job. You know the pain, and you've seen it, not only in your lives, but in others, how this one word has the power to change everything, and when on its own, it negates and often creates a lot of pain. But notice, this is not simply but, this is but God. What happens when you take the word that has the ability to negate what came before, and the goodness of God who promises a good future? You have the ability and you see the change from the past to a more glorious future. This is the picture throughout Scripture, family. Every time, every time you notice things are going darker and darker and darker, you will find this phrase. So in Genesis chapter 8, Noah, this man who had obeyed God, built the ark, witnessed the flood that destroyed his known world, everyone he knew, everything he had seen and cared for and cherished, his home, his land, everything, gone All that is left now is a world of water. 
Can you imagine the despair on the boat, the fear that he must have experienced when he saw no hope, no life, just a bunch of animals and a very tired family? And it's in this moment that we hear these words from Genesis 5, but God remembered Noah. How many of us here need to know that God has not forgotten us? But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals. I love this. He cares for even the least. And the livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth. And the waters receded. But God shows up with the power to change what is in the past. To bring about a more glorious future. Joseph must have taken comfort in this. After dreaming of what his life would be like. Being raised to some level of prominence. He was sold into slavery by his brothers out of jealousy. He goes from slavery to being accused of a a crime he did not commit down to the prison level, only then to years and years and years be forgotten. And finally, God raises him up to a level of power in the Egyptian nation. And there at the twilight of his story, when he meets his brothers again, he says the same phrase. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. How many of us need to know that the harm that has been done to us or the pain that has come in the past, God has the ability to use the pain and bring good things. This is the same story that David experienced, promised by God to be the next king of Israel. Wow, I can't wait. Except for the fact that the current king, Saul, was crazy with jealousy, looking to find a way to stamp out David's life. And so he went after King David to be. He tried to kill him. David had to flee home and everything he loved, hiding in caves. And it says this, day after day, Saul searched for him. This is what was going on, the reality of his situation. But God did not give David into his hands. This is what's going on, but God is not done yet. Any of us need to know that God is not done yet. Let me give you a few more of these. Some of us this morning need to know that this isn't just specific to men like David or Noah or Joseph, but according to Psalms 9, we're told that, but God will never forget the needy. The hope of the afflicted will never perish. God has not forgotten you. Are you in need this morning? But God, he negates the past with the power of resurrection to bring about what is good. Not only that, he goes on to say, but God, Psalm 49, but God will redeem me from the realm of the dead. He will surely take me to himself. That are you feeling like you are falling into the pit of death or despair, but God is at work. He is not done yet. And if you're feeling like you're, you have no one to talk to, no one to appeal to, Psalm 66 says, but God, friends, but God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. It goes on beyond that. Some of us, we know what it's like to be drowning in sin, recognizing that we are lost. And we're told these words in Romans chapter 8. We were still powerless. We could not fix what was wrong with us. We were consigned to separation from God for eternity for our willful disobedience. What can we do? This is the before picture. But notice the words, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But God. And finally, Paul tells us in the moment of great despair when he did not know what was going to happen. Read these words. 
For when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn. Let let me just pause for a moment there. Anyone in here this morning saying, I sleep, but I don't feel rested these days? How many of us in this room this morning would say, I feel like there's just conflict everywhere? Maybe not nationally, even maybe it's just in my own home or in my own heart. And there's this sense that things are just not right. Paul understands this. And so the next words he utters ought to be the words you and I press on the heart, soul of each of us. It says this, but God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us. God is in the process of saying, this is true, this may be going on, but God, he will turn it around. Here's the reality. We're coming into a season of thanksgiving where many of us feel that it is inauthentic to actually give thanks. I just don't feel it. It'd be faking it if I were to demonstrate or say that I feel thankful right now. But I want to tell you, church, this is the most authentic thing we can do this week. You understand that. Let me, let me explain this to you. Many of us this morning are saying, I feel forgotten. I feel abandoned. I feel attacked. I'm in need. I'm failing. I need help. I've sinned. I'm afraid. So many of us are saying, I don't know how to give thanks in this moment. We feel like it would be inauthentic to give thanks. How do we do this? Here's the reason. This is the most authentic thing you can do. This is both honest and hopeful. But God says, I'm going to be honest about my circumstance. Some of you, the most powerful thing you can do this morning is not pretend everything is okay, but to admit that life is broken. Confess the place where you desperately need God to step into your moment. The place where you need God to work. This is not dishonest or inauthentic to say, this is my reality. This is honest to say, this is where I am. In fact, notice, you cannot have a but God moment before you until you've had a problem for which you need him to help. You realize that, right? There is no reason for there to be but God if there's not something for him to step in and reconcile. Many of us, the greatest moments of praise, follow on the greatest moments of pain. I'll say that again. For many of us, the greatest moments of praise follow on the greatest moments of pain. It is in those moments that we get to say, but God, he did this. It is so honest with how we feel, but it is hopeful to say he is not done yet. I don't know where you're at this morning, friend. But right here, right now, I want you to know that whatever you are going through, our God wants to step in and say, I know what you're going through. Own it. Be honest. But don't forget, I'm not done yet. This is honest and hopeful. I want to be very clear this morning. If you are aching inside, something we say often around here is, it is okay to not be okay. Isn't that good news? It is okay to not be okay. But God loves you too much to let you stay that way. It's okay to not be okay, but God loves you too much to let you stay that way. We are a but God church. So here's my big question this morning. Bottom line, are you ready? What is your but God moment? 
What is it this week? What is it this month? What is it this year that you've witnessed God do that even though things are not working out, even though you are honest about the pain of life, maybe you're honest about the people you've not been with that you wish you could see or the finances or even your spiritual condition, what is it that you see or have seen that God has done that you can hang your hat on and say, you know, I saw what he did back then, but God showed up. I believe that God will show up again. This Thanksgiving, this week, my prayer for you and for me is that we would lean into the but God of this moment. Even if you're saying, I have no idea how he's going to fix what's going on, I have confidence that he will. Here's something I want you to remember as you go into Thanksgiving this week. If you have nothing else, if you have nothing else to hold on to, remember this. Because of Jesus, even the worst thing is never the last thing. I'll say that again. Because of Jesus, even the worst thing is never the last thing. Whatever you're going through, the promise of the cross of Jesus is that he is not done yet. And even the worst thing that you're going through is not the last thing because God is still at work. So, what are you thankful for? I'm going to ask you, take some time, process this. What are you thankful for? Let me just give you a few things. Um, How many of you live in a free nation today? That's but God that you get to live in a free nation. Can you give thanks for that? How many of you this morning are drawing breath into your lungs, blood through your, your veins, It is only because of what Christ Jesus has done. We're told that God breathes out his spirit, breathes out himself, and he animates our lives. That is but God in your life. How many of us have the joy of knowing that our sins are no longer counted against us, but we have been made new in Christ Jesus? It is but for God. Can you give thanks to God for that this morning, church? Let's try this again. Can you give God thanks for that this morning, church? This is a but God thing. You say, I don't know what to give thanks God for. Let me give you a few more here. How many of you this morning have a family that loves you and will do whatever it takes to take care of you? And you say, I don't have that kind of a mom or a dad. I'm not talking biology. I'm talking about the church. I was visiting with a friend this morning who got some terrible news. Just an hour ago, I heard about this. And we got to pray together and be reminded of the fact that we do not walk alone. It is only because of God that we do not walk alone, family. This is a but God church. I keep thinking about the the reality of that in this place. I, I mean, Bart, you and I are brothers in Christ because of Jesus Christ. There is no way that I would know you or that we would probably even be friends were it not for Jesus. Some of us in here, I mean, Sharon... We're friends because of Jesus Christ. I know you and we have this family because of Jesus. I think about all of us in this room that it's because of Jesus Christ that we are together. That is but God. So what is your but God moment? This is where the church has always found itself and it's in the moments of the greatest difficulty that the church says, here's the reality, it's hard. But God has worked things out in the past. I believe he will do it again. This week, 
will you join me in simply saying, but God, he has given me life. He's given me a family. And when all else fails, he has given me the hope of home with him forever. That's what Thanksgiving's about, family. But God, 